This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you want to find great rates, organize your finances, or just make more intelligent money decisions, where do you go? Lending Tree. That's where, because LendingTree is here for you. With the LendingTree app, you can see all your bank accounts at a glance so you can better understand your spending and saving and build a budget that works for you. Plus, you can monitor your credit score, explore ways to improve your credit, and get automatic alerts to protect your identity. You starting to get a sense? LendingTree can help you with a lot of different things. LendingTree can help make sure that you're getting your best deal on loans, insurance, credit cards, and more through their wide network of banks and lenders. Also, LendingTree gives you personalized tips and insights to help you save money and reach your financial dreams. So whether you want to pay off debt, buy a home, build credit, or just make things a little easier, LendingTree has your back for all your short and long-term goals. There are no subscriptions, no fees, no hassle, just easy, honest, straightforward support to make the most of your money and achieve greater financial health. So download the free LendingTree app right now and get started and see why thousands of people turn to LendingTree every single day for smarter, easier finances. Terms and conditions may apply. NMLS number 1136. I would ask the refs during the games, you know, what's the path to becoming a ref? You know, how many years are you looking at before wow. you, know, you get to the NFL? You know, Mitch, Mitch, I'm sorry. I never, ever, ever interrupt anybody. I have to say, when you would do that to a ref, would they be like, are you f***ing with me? They would love it. So I think they respected that I was curious about it and that I wasn't, you know, just mother them like everyone else does when they get pissed. <laughs> And now it's cracking. Welcome back once again to the Jim Rome Podcast. Or if you're here for the very first time, welcome and congrats. Well done. You found your way to the good stuff. We have had 193 excellent conversations on this podcast. And today we make it 194. And trust me, you will be glad you found it because my man Mitchell Schwartz came in and absolutely killed it. Now, if that name sounds familiar to you, it should. He spent the last five seasons blocking for Patrick Mahomes as the chief starting right tackle, and he is one of the best in the business. He's got himself a Super Bowl ring. He made all pro in four of those five years, and he never missed a single down until the middle of last season. At that point, he suffered an ugly back injury, and then he missed his first game action in nearly 8,000 consecutive snaps. That injury led to his release by Kansas City at the end of the year, And he had off-season back surgery, and he has been rehabbing ever since. We get into where he is in that rehab and whether or not a return to action this year is in the cards. This is a tremendous conversation. This conversation is the reason why I do this side hustle. It's episode 194 with NFL All-Pro Mitchell Schwartz, and it's coming at you right now. So, Mitch, it's been a moment or two since you and I have spoken. So, right off the very top, why don't you bring us up to date? I know you had off-season back surgery. I know you've been working to get back. What has rehab been like, and how is life treating you overall? Rehab is quite uh, boring and monotonous, and it's the same thing every day. 
you know, a lot of guys that get hurt, they'll tell you like the worst part of getting hurt is rehab. So guys will, you know, maybe sprain an ankle or, or tweak a knee or something and try to stay out of the training room because it just, it's so annoying to have to go through those like small exercises every single day. You know, on the personal level, it's taken a bit longer than we expected. Um, still dealing with a little bit of, of the nerve pain, which is, you know, tough. You can't really put a timeline on that because everyone is a little bit different. You know, the muscular side of it, I uh, feel pretty good about and, you know, able to day to day move around, do what I need to. But, you know, you still get that nerve pain down the leg and that, that's not a very good feeling. So hopefully we're going to, you know, get that cleared up soon and, um, you know, figure out the future. Hey, can I tell you something like, I'm sorry to hear that, but at the same time, I want to say I can't tell you how much I respect that. It's kind of like, uh, how do you think rehab is, Rome? It sucks, man. It's rehab, <laughs> right? I mean, what, what yeah. an honest response that was. Well, thank you. Yeah, it, uh, the first few weeks, it's not too bad because, like, you like the training staff. You like those guys. You know, I'm currently not employed, so I, I found a different place to rehab. But they're all good people. It's fun to hang out. And then eventually, it's just the same conversations every day. It's the same routine. Uh, it's the same exercises because, you know, if you hurt your knee, it's you're strengthening your quad every single time. If you hurt your back, you're doing all these little core exercises. It just, uh, you know, it gets to wear on you a little bit. And, you know, luckily I'm in a spot where I can, you know, take a week off here or there if I need to kind of hit that refresh button mentally and, uh, you know, get ready for the next segment. My man, you are the best. That's the worst. That's the best. Like I, I once had a torn rotator cuff and it's like, it's mind numbing, right? It's just, fuck, it's so annoying. It's like, you're just in these stupid little exercises over and over and over again. But what's the alternative? If you don't do them, you don't get better. So I feel you. I mean, we, we could do this for a half hour, but respect for that. So currently then what, what is like you said, I'm unemployed. There is some nerve damage. We thought that we'd be further along than we are. Like bottom line is for me. Do you expect to play this year? Do you want to play this year? What is the plan? Realistically, I'm not sure if this year is going to work out because there's the element of getting 100% healthy and then getting into football shape. Um, you know, we're kind of reaching the point where the getting into football shape, if I did get to 100% healthy and, you know, not feeling any, any of the nerve pain, um, I'm not sure how close I'd be to, to doing anything. You know, I've always kind of said, even before the surgery, you know, knowing it was upcoming, I wanted to get 100% healthy, you know, see how I felt, figure out, you know, where my body was at and then assess the future. You know, I'm still in that mode. It's, uh, as I said, taking a little bit longer, but, you know, for people that are going through pain, it's hard to think about, you know, getting back to the activity that caused you that pain and that, um, you know, we all know football is not the greatest thing for your body. So it's tough to think about going back while you're still in rehab, doing the, the daily things and, you know, once I am able to get to that point, uh, we'll figure it out. You know, like I said, for this season, I don't know, the, the timeline's kind of compressing a little bit and uh, it's not looking the greatest, but I'm still hopeful. You know, I keep thinking this thing's going to turn the corner every day now. And, you know, you just not qu never quite know how it's going to be. You wake up every morning, you do that little check, you wiggle your hips side to side and you hope it's feeling better. Huh. So, for instance, I mean, so few athletes get to leave on their own terms you like if it were to come to an end you had a really really nice career a great career like are you at peace with that like would you have gone i mean not on your own terms if you got hurt but what if it is over is that is that going to be okay i mean it is what it is but will it be okay yeah if that ends up being the case you know like you said i've had a pretty good career i got the super bowl ring um i've had a lot of on-field success you know i made a lot of money um you know i got to kind of share the experience with my brother as well and um, you know, we landed in an awesome city, you know, my wife and I are renovating a house in Kansas city for the long term, And, you know, we found a place that we want to be and we want to, you know, raise kids eventually. So I've got no regrets there. I think, you know, if that is the case, I'll, you know, walk away pretty happy and on your career, Super Bowl winner, you know, a couple of good personal accolades in there. Um, but again, I'd like to get 
feeling like I'm fully healthy and make that decision, you know, on my own terms and not necessarily have have the league retire me. You you know, Mitch, it's interesting because you mentioned Kansas City and it's a great place. It's period. It's a great place. You grew up in Southern California and you played in Cleveland. You've been in Kansas City and you said, we found our spot. This is where we want to be. This is where we want to raise a family. Why Kansas City? What do you like so much about KC and how'd you end up there ultimately? You know, it's, I I always tell people, it sounds kind of corny. It just felt like home. I didn't really have like any specific reason. It just honestly, after the Super Bowl, it just solidified like this is the place to be. It's where I want to be. It's where my wife wanted to be. You know, at this point, I've got a few friends back home still. I got my my parents, but this is where we kind of have our roots, our our connections. You know, other friends and uh, people we consider family here as well. And it's just where we wanted to be. It's a you know an easy place to live. Obviously, you know, cost of living, traffic, you know, there's a lot of things uh, working in its favor. It doesn't have the weather. It doesn't have, you know, a lot of the good perks of Southern California. So we were always trying to figure out where we were going to end up. You know, it was a three or four year process of every few months. Oh, maybe it's Southern California. Maybe it's, you know, Northern California. I went to Cal, so I'm familiar with that. My dad's from up in that area. You know, maybe it's going down to Carlsbad or San Diego area. You know, maybe it's somewhere back in Ohio, maybe Columbus. That's in you know a great city, um, but it just kind of solidified after the Super Bowl. You know, her and I, we just kind of felt like this is it. This is the right place. You know, weirdly enough, we were going to be taking this big international trip in March and April of last year, and you know that got canceled a week before due to due to COVID. And we just started hopping on Zillow, looking at houses, and we found a house. And you know, we ended up buying it the same day we looked at it. So I got a little bit lucky with timing, and you know, in terms of the renovation, we got in before lumber spiked so we got pretty lucky with that as well that's great all right i gotta talk to you for a minute about my x chair from the first moment i sat in my x chair my body immediately said ah this is nice this is what a real office chair is supposed to feel like like i never actually look forward to sitting in my office until i got my x chair true story let me ask you can your current office chair give you a massage while you're working my X chair can. Can your current office chair heat up or cool down? My X chair can. It's all in the LMAX massage and temperature regulation exclusively designed and made for X chair. I'm talking high performance, quality engineering, extreme comfort. Those are all the reasons I love my X chair and now I can't wait to be at work. Take my advice. Try X-Chair for yourself, risk-free for 30 days. Once you realize how much better your chair should be, you will never, ever want to go back. I know this. Go to xchairrome.com. That's the letter X, chair, R-O-M-E.com. Or call 1-844-4X-Chair for $100 off your order. X-Chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as 30 bucks a month. That's xchairrome.com, xchairrome.com. So internationally, where were you guys going to go? What was the plan? So former teammate uh, Alex Mack, his fiance uh, was from Ireland, so they were doing an international wedding. So we were going to tack on England and Paris before that and then head up to Ireland it was going to be you know a two or three week adventure and we were really looking forward to it and we were scheduled to leave like March 18th or 19th and I think you know the Rudy Gobert stuff was like the 11th or 12th and then everything shut down right after that so um, it all got canceled uh, we're hopeful that they'll eventually have you know a party there and we'll be able to, to do that trip in full 
Hmm. So one thing I love, like I, I know you want to be back in it, but while you're not playing, the one thing we do have is you tweeting in game. Now you've been pretty prolific at that. I want to read you back one that you had recently. It was during the Chiefs Bills game. Quote: Are you fucking kidding me? The state of refereeing <laughs> is at an all time low right now. I'm not entirely sure why it's so bad, but it's bad across the league. End of quote. I mean, Mitch, an incredible tweet. Well done. But I, I know you just said you don't know why it's so bad, but I'm going to ask anyway, why is it so bad? What's going on here? So I do think, weirdly enough, like social media and backlash has something to do with that. I've noticed this year especially and a bit last year, it seems like the trend is on the plays that are going to be automatically reviewed. So like a touchdown is automatically reviewed, a turnover. What the rest will do is basically just – make the call to have it automatically reviewed so if a guy is crossing the plane of the end zone they're not quite sure if he scored or not they'll tend to lean on the side of calling it a touchdown and letting it be reviewed automatically instead of you know figuring out the best course of action did he actually score or did he not because um, they don't want to have to force the coaches to throw their flag you know three or four times a game which they can't do unless they win their first two challenges so I think that maybe is part of it that they're you know almost able to take this way out that lets the league kind of get in the, the ears. And, you know, we know the current system, they're able to, you know, fix things on the fly a lot quicker. Um, so I think that's a little bit of an element to it. I mean, you know, more than anyone, the game is just so fast and so physical and it's tough to figure stuff out. I mean, the pass interference, they tried to make that, you know, reviewable. They tried to find a better system. It turned out somehow to be a worse system. Uh, so they reverted to it, but I think it just, you know, really difficult to do, you know, we've got the best technology we ever have, you know, the 8k cameras, super slow-mo. So we're able to, you know, pick things out left and right. It's just, it's the obvious stuff. I mean, that's what I was referencing. It's some of the obvious stuff that, you know, if a guy gets tackled a second before a, a play or before he's about to catch it, like that's probably a, you know, pass interference. They should call that, you know, some of this roughing the passer stuff. I think it's very obvious if a guy roughs a, a quarterback or not every week, it seems like there's a new clip. That's kind of a, a new low of, what we should be seeing and what we know to be a penalty or not. Um, so it is a hard job. I'm not going to, you know, deny that at all. You know, I considered long-term potentially becoming a ref, you know, I've always been interested in refereeing and the rules. Um, so I definitely understand from their perspective that it's difficult, but um, you know, I just think the only thing I can really think of con concretely is that ability to just kind of let replay take over and um, know that in the back pocket, they can kind of get bailed out. What, dude, you couldn't slam that perfect answer into 140 characters or less? Oh, no, that was, that was great. I, you know what? That's amazing what you just said. First of all, I agree with everything you just said. I did not know that. I would have, of all the things, especially you being the chef that you are, of all the things that you could do or might do or thought about doing, refereeing would not have been the, one of the things that came to my mind. I mean, is that, is that something you really gave serious consideration to and why? I did, you know, I would, I would ask the refs during the games, you know, what's the path to becoming a ref, you know, how many years are you looking at before, wow. you know, you get to the NFL, you know, do you fast track, you know, former players, which they do because hey, they Mitch, want Mitch, guys. Mitch, I'm sorry. I never, ever, ever interrupt anybody. I have to say when, when you would do that to a ref, would they be like, are you fucking with me? Are you, are you messing with me? Or do you mean that? No, they would love it. They, so I got to know all of them because I would talk to them. I'd ask them about stuff. You know, I'd say, hey, on that call, like, why isn't it this or in this situation, what would have happened? So I think they respected that I was curious about it and that I wasn't, you know, just motherfucking them like everyone else does when they get pissed. <laughs> you know, I would talk to them when things were good, too. And I'd say hi before the games. And, you know, I got to know a lot of their names. And, you know, I think they appreciate kind of the more human aspect of it, but also my interest in it and my you know ability to know more than just like holdings a 15 yard penalty. And if I cuss you out enough, you're going to throw a personal foul on me. Um 
so yeah, they, they would also say, you know, hey, if you're ever interested in it, we love to, you know, have former players and you seem like you're, you know your stuff a bit. So the interest went both ways. You know, at the end of the day, I just don't know that I want to travel, you know, 24 weekends of my life or the rest of my life. And, you know, once we do have kids missing, you know, those moments and not being with them, not being at sporting events, um, you know, I'm, I don't even have kids and I already uh, kind of made that decision that I don't necessarily want that path for me, but I love football and I'm going to want to do something in football regardless. And I always thought, you know, what better way to stay in football than being on the field and, and being a ref. Dude, you're going to be a great dad because you don't have kids yet and you already don't want to miss anything that they're doing and you don't have them yet. So you'll be a great dad. Listen, you, you know, you see some linemen after since we're talking about, and again, I know you want to play and you're doing everything you can. I'm not assuming that you won't, but when you see some linemen after they retire, they, they have this dramatic weight loss and they're relieved that they no longer have to maintain that weight. They no longer have to work to continue to add weight. And then they're just shredded. Like, do you think you'll be one of those guys? And how are you going to approach nutrition and working out once you are officially done? Well, you know, I like to cook and eat, so I'm not sure I'll be get, be able to get to like Joe Thomas shredded, right? And, um, really lean out like that. I think food is uh, too important for me to to eat and to indulge in. Uh, I would like to lose weight when it's all said and done. You know, it's funny the the surgeon uh, for my back. He goes, "Well, the two best things you can do are stop playing football and lose weight." And I was like, "All right, <laughs> great." Well, uh, that's a that's a great outcome thanks doc uh, yeah so um i would like to to lose a little bit of weight you know i've always even for guys at comparable weights or sizes you know i've tended to have a bigger wrist you know my watches are loose on other guys at similar weights if not heavier weights you know my ankles are bigger my, my feet are bigger so i don't think i'm going to have you know quite as dramatic of a, a weight loss as you know a jeff saturday or you know a joe thomas or some of these other guys uh, i would like to lose weight you know it's healthier to be at a lower weight and at a more appropriate weight um so we'll see you know how that comes like i said i love eating i love cooking i think it's going to be difficult for me you know in high school i was 315, 320 my senior year. I got to Cal, I was 330, 335. So I've never been a guy that has to gain weight. You know, I don't uh, typically lose weight during the year. I tend to, to gain weight because I like eating. It, you know, helps me out when I'm stressed. Um, so it's going to be a bit of a challenge. It's not, you know, I'm not naturally a 235 guy who had to, you know, struggle to bulk up to, to 305. Dude, I'm glad I just chuckled me. You said I like to eat when I'm stressed. I'm, I'm glad that I'm not the only one who uses food. I mean, that shit goes on, right? Yeah, for sure. I remember, you know, back in college, I think in the summer, uh, the way my class schedule worked out and like our workouts after I would finish class, I'd grab some food, I'd go to the parking lot, I'd put your radio station on for like an hour and a half. I'd just sit there, I'd listen, I'd eat my food, I'd be happy, I'd go work out. Um, so yeah, food and you have, you know, been a part of my life for a long time. My man, you're the best to say so, but uh, maybe that's where the stress came from, man. I was listening to all my <laughs> bullshit every single day. Let's take a moment and talk about WinBet, the latest and greatest sports betting app on the market. The same five-star hotel service that you know and love is now in the digital betting space, providing an elite sports book and digital casino app. So whether you're playing money lines for NFL Week 7, totals for college football week eight or both win bet has you covered are you looking for other sports win bet has that too it's all right there for you with your win bet app win bet is also fully integrated with win rewards that means by playing win bet you can accrue points to earn free credit in app and comp dollars towards perks at win resorts 
discounted hotel stays, priority dining and entertainment, free merchandise. It really is the best loyalty program in the industry. Call it a win-win. Whether playing from your phone or your computer, you have absolutely got to sign up for WinBet ASAP. Bet with the best, get into the game. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough WinBet is available. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. We're both UC guys. You went to Berkeley. I went to UCSB. Your school was better. My school was close. I don't know about you, but like for 20 years, for 20 years, I'm not kidding you, I would have the same dream three or four times a year, and it was always me. I hadn't gotten to class all quarter. I didn't know where the professor's office was. I couldn't get to office hours. I didn't know when the final was. I wasn't prepared. And every single time I had that dream, man, it was so real. And I'd wake up and be like, thank God that that's not true did you have anything like that at all? I mean, I know a lot of athletes do better when they're in season in class, but as a UC guy, man, I could not shake it. And I had that dream probably for 20 years. Did you ever experience anything like that? Yeah, it's wild you say that because I had that exact dream. Wow. I have good. either it's the first day of school. I don't have any of my classes. I don't know where they are. I don't have the math. Right. There's 10 minutes left and I have no idea where to go. I have the one where it's finals day and I realize like, oh shit, I haven't gone to one class all year. What the fuck am I going to do? Yes. Like I'm going to fail. And then I have the football version of that, which is <laughs> I can't find my helmet. I don't know where my pads are or like something happened. I remember one specific dream. I was driving to Arrowhead Stadium or I guess GEHA field now. I was driving to the stadium and something happened. I had to go back home, pick something up, go back, tons of traffic. I like called Coach Reed and was like, hey, I'm going to be late. I don't know what's happening. I'm stuck in traffic. And you wake up and you're sweaty and hot and you're miserable. You can't go back to sleep because your adrenaline's pumping through your veins. So, yeah, I have that exact dream, uh, you know, with school. It happened then. It happens now still every few months. Uh, so that's that's really funny you said that. Dude, that is so wild. Like, I... I... I'm so happy to hear you say that in a way. Like, it's not just me. Exactly. You mentioned Andy Reid. Like I said, I'm just following you around. So when Andy Reid was in Philadelphia, he would come on the show. And, you know, NFL coaches are not easy to book. They just, they, what do they get out of it? They don't want to do it. They do their mand- mandatory media stuff. But he would always do it once or twice a year. And he did, wouldn't say a ton, but it's it's how he said what he didn't say. He was just so awesome. And he would end every single interview by going, Jim, you're the best. And it sounded pretty sincere. Then he goes to Kansas City, and I just can't get to him. I just don't have access. I can't get to him. And then I just happen to run into him at Javier's in Crystal Cove. Now, dude, have you ever been to Javier's down in Newport Beach? No, that one I haven't been to, okay. but right, I know great. he's got his favorite spots. So, so yeah, he, exactly. So he, he's got the house down there, and he goes to that spot, and I just we just happen to run into each other. And I'm like, he's like, Jay, Jim, what are you doing, man? So good to see you. I'm like, Coach, literally, I've been trying for four years to find you. I can't find you. Is there any way you can come on the show? He's like, absolutely. Just tell them I said so. And sure enough, a week later, he shows up. And the guy's unbelievable. Like, one of my favorite guys ever. I just dropped the name in the story to say that he's one of my favorite guys ever. What was he like for you to play for? Yeah, I mean, that story says it all. It's it's the personal touch to, you know, care about people and to, you know, want to help. Um, that's the way he is with his players. You know, he wants the best for us uh, on a personal level. Obviously, there's, you know, the vested interest of our performance on the field. But, you know, he does it in a way that is going to help you out as a person as well. You know, he doesn't go to the media and say, oh, this guy's not playing well or that guy needs to play better or, you know, we're going to make a change this week. You know, he handles that stuff in-house. He treats you the way you want to be treated. Um, you know, when guys are struggling, you you just, you feel bad. You're not in a good spot. You know, you don't want to see your coach drag you through the media. And, you know, I don't think that necessarily motivates guys, you know, especially, you know, in this day and age. And so, you know, he handles things the right way. 
I think, you know, from a coaching perspective, he sets very clear goals and he has expectations and he just trusts you to follow it. If you don't, you know, obviously there's always repercussions. And, you know, if you're not playing well enough or, you know, God forbid you do something against the rules, which he has like one rule, which is don't steal, um, you know, you're out of there, but it's just, you know, where you stand, you know, he's a great person. He doesn't have these 20 minute team meetings every day. You know, he trusts his guys to handle the culture and to, you know, handle the work side of it. And he gives you that latitude. And then on top of it, he's just an awesome guy and he's got a, a pretty good personality behind the scenes. Dude, seriously, one rule, don't steal, like not even be on time or being on time. Well, he's got those. I mean, those are, I feel like typical rules, like, you know, be on time, you know, give your best effort, those things. But like, essentially the rule is like, don't steal. Um, you know, if you ever get caught doing that, you're out of there. That's well, like, like, like Mitch from, from, from each other or from like a liquor store or a bank like i see where you're going like stealing from each other is like the worst shit you could do yeah typically it's in the vein of if anyone gets something stolen from their locker in the locker room right. and we find out who it is like that's the quickest way out of here no exactly all right so like your, your point about him like the players today do not want to be dragged by the coach publicly i mean i, I totally get that so and i'm not trying to be gratuitous here but i mean i, I gotta ask it's not it didn't happen yesterday but what about a coach who doesn't get on the plane and come back with his team? And I just say this because, look, we're talking about a guy who already probably, I'm not in the locker room. You correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm out of line. But I would imagine probably may have had some credibility issues or at least issues of buying, considering he had not won a single game and he was a college coach and Urban Meyer did not get on the, on the jet. So, like, if you're a member of that team and you're a vet and you've been there, what are you thinking when you get on that jet and it takes off and the coach is not on it? I would honestly be worried because the expectation is that the coach is on the plane. You know, you go with the team, you fly with the team, like you're the captain, you don't leave the ship. Uh, that was honestly the wildest part of that story to me. I mean, I know there's the personal side and, you know, what he did is uh, not right. But in terms of the team aspect, not being on that plane is like the ultimate break in trust from the players because if you don't care enough to be there with them after the game, after, you know, he had just gone and then that, um, press conference and said it's heartbreaking, devastating, <laughs> right. one of the worst losses of his life. And then 30 minutes later, he's like, oh all right, God. peace. I got some family in town. I'm going to go see you. It's like, dude, that's that's not what you do. And as you said, you know, I'm not sure he was a guy that already had 100% buy-in. And to do something, you know, to break trust to, to that grave of a degree. And then after, I feel like he just went about the explanations all wrong. You know, he made it seem like he made that decision in real time and he just was like, no, I thought it was better to get some space from everybody and to be on my own. It's like, so this wasn't pre-planned. Like you just decided, all right, I feel like crap and I'd rather not be with my team. So <laughs> there was no aspect of it that made sense. And then of course they come around and win the next time they play. So uh, of course, as, as football does it, you know, carries a life of its own and you just never know where it's going to go. It's the great deodorant or whatever that line is when he can fix a lot of things. All right, so let's talk some money for a minute. When you want to find great rates, organize your finances, or just make more intelligent money decisions, where do you go? Lending Tree. That's where. Because Lending Tree is here for you. With the Lending Tree app, you can see all your bank accounts at a glance so you can better understand your spending and saving and build a budget that works for you. Plus, you can monitor your credit score, explore ways to improve your credit, and get automatic alerts to protect your identity. You're starting to get a sense Lending Tree can help you with a lot of different things. Lending Tree can help make sure that you're getting your best deal on loans, insurance, credit cards, and more through their wide network of banks and lenders. Also, Lending Tree gives you personalized tips and insights to help you save money and reach your financial dreams. 
So whether you want to pay off debt, buy a home, build credit, or just make things a little easier, LendingTree has your back for all your short and long-term goals. There are no subscriptions, no fees, no hassle, just easy, honest, straightforward support to make the most of your money and achieve greater financial health. So download the free LendingTree app right now and get started and see why thousands of people turn to LendingTree every single day for smarter, easier finances. Terms and conditions may apply. NMLS number 1136. What you said is so true. It's so funny. Like, bad enough to use words like, it's devastating, it's heartbreaking. It's like, dude, it's one regular season game. What do you, how do you talk in terms, anyway, he's using words like that, and then how devastating could it have been? He didn't even get on the plane. So, I mean, the thing actually gets more and more weird and more and more funny. I gotta ask you about this, like... Like, Tom Brady, I'm just jumping around again, Mitch, with respect to your time. Tom Brady wants a situation where he feels more appreciated and maybe has more of a say in things, and he gets it, and it pays off, and he wins a world championship. I would imagine Aaron Rodgers probably wants something similar. I'm not saying, like, a ready-made Super Bowl team, but do you think there's a similar situation that exists for Aaron Rodgers if and when he leaves, leaves Green Bay? Because probably he's not coming back. Yeah, those situations definitely exist out there. The question is whether Green Bay is willing to let him go for whatever that team was willing to offer. I think that's been the biggest holdup. You know, he signed that massive extension a few years ago. And so we've seen a lot of these, you know, quarterbacks that get traded and then there's the dead money hit. And, you know, typically it's because the team wants to move on from the guy. Uh, you know, they just say, all right, his play is not good enough. We need to move on. We're okay paying him, you know, 28 million to not be here. Well, Aaron was the MVP. He's an awesome quarterback. He's a top, you know, one to three quarterback still. And, you know, that's not something Green Bay necessarily wants to move on from. You know, Aaron, as much as, you know, the whole offseason, he talked about it. You know, he ended up showing up. He didn't force their hand. He didn't, you know, stay away. He didn't do the hold in where he shows up and, oh, my hamstring still hurt. So he basically said, yeah, I'm coming back willing to play. And so Green Bay doesn't really have, you know, the opportunity to, to trade him or to move him. So th those opportunities are out there. Teams will absolutely, you know, pay for it. I think the issue is what Green Bay is willing to get in return to giving up, you know, the MVP of the league. And then also from the team that's trading for him, you know, how do you value, oh, well, maybe he's got one or two good years. Maybe he's got four good years. Maybe he's, you know, on the Tom Brady playing till his 58 plan. He's got 20 <laughs> more good years. So figuring out, you know, the, the right compensation is the hard part. But I think Aaron will find, that team will get the, you know, a little bit more control, a little bit more say, you know, this year, especially we've learned about kind of the mental health of athletes and, you know, making sure that their head's in the right space for, you know, optimal performance. And it seems like that's kind of what he wants and needs to, you know, be at his best for, you know, the whole year, not just in season where they're currently sitting, what, five and one and number one in the division. Yeah, you know what? Exactly right. I was going to say, like you, he is a good cow guy. That that whole thing about people were saying, I hate, well, I don't like people were saying, but people were saying, like when he brings up issues of mental health and zen and I, I'm fascinated. Like I always want more. Like, dude, what, what are you reading? Who are you talking to? What are you watching? This is fascinating to me. But then all of a sudden you've got all these fans saying, oh, he doesn't care. He doesn't care. Look at him. Listen to him. I mean, did when he turns to the Bears fans and says, I fucking own you, I always have, does that look to you like a guy who doesn't care? And as, as somebody who blocks for somebody like that, would that fire you up if you see your quarterback just going in on fans like that? Oh, that was awesome. That was incredible. Uh, you know, Pat had the one a few years ago. I think we were playing Chicago, 
and he did like the counting on his fingers because he was the 10th pick and Trubisky was like the second or third <laughs> so pick. Good. I didn't know that that happened until after, of course, because I'm just like waiting out there for the, you know, uh, PAT team to come on and kick that extra point. And I saw it after the fact. I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> like, you, you love when your quarterback has a little shit to him and, you know, likes to stick it to other people. And, you know, with Aaron, you know, I know he's like wry and funny behind the scenes. We don't really get to see that from the fan perspective. I guess really only, you know, the funny stuff he says on the McAfee show. But being able to see that kind of raw emotion, you know, he even said after the fact, like, I don't know what I said. I just blacked out and whatever came out, came out. Uh, I thought it was great to see from him. So good. All right, listen, before you go, you mentioned a few moments ago, I want to ask you about this. You mentioned your watch. Are you still a watch guy? Because I'm a watch guy. But you know how it is. Now, now with, well, your phone, you don't need a watch. I'm still that old school guy, man. I love timepieces. I don't buy them like I used to. But are you still a watch guy? Yeah, big time. I uh, still really into it. You know, a couple of weeks ago, the Chiefs were in Philly and I used that as an excuse to go to Philly and see my watch friends there. Um, you know, they, they own a business that's run out of Philly and it was nice to see everybody. You know, they showed me some of the, the cool stuff in the vault that, you know, even I can't afford. Um, so I was able to see some of the fun stuff. But there's like I'm good with my hands, but it's in, you know, kind of a brutish manner and, you know, they're, they're big and they're thick and you know, I can't really do the, the fine, delicate things in life. And so this idea that these people can, you know, assemble these fine tuned machines that you can strap on your wrist, walk around all day and it, you know, keeps time to this precise uh, ability. And then you can time things. It has the day you can track the moon. Like it's amazing that people can conceptualize that, create it, put it into motion, and then you can wear it. And there's just like that fascination to me that, uh, I think will always be there. And it's just like such a, a cool um, thing to learn about, to to wear. You know, guys only have so many jewelry options. So you kind of see it as a, a piece of jewelry as God, well. 100%. So let me drop some numbers on you. Scary numbers. Two out of three men will experience some form of hair loss by the time they are 35. More than 50 million men in the U.S. suffer from male pattern baldness, and there are only two FDA-approved medications that can prevent hair loss. Keeps offers both. So why don't we talk for a minute about Keeps? Keeps offers a simple, stress-free way to keep your hair. Convenient virtual doctor consultations and medications delivered right to your door every three months so you do not have to leave your home. And low-cost treatments starting at only 10 bucks per month and Keeps offers generic versions. On top of that, discreet packaging and proven results. Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of the competition. But here's something you got to keep in mind. Prevention is key. Treatments can take four to six months to see results, so you want to move on this right now. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash Rome. Get your first month of treatment for free. That's keeps.com slash Rome. And get your first month free, keeps.com slash Rome. Really quickly, like not to be a, a total douchebag about it, but as a watch person, you might understand this. Yeah, in fact, I know you would. When I used to buy my pieces, there was always a story behind the piece, right? Like I, if I bought it, there was a reason. We used to have a racehorse that was really successful that made, look, I've had horses that cost me a fortune and I had a couple of horses that made me a fortune. And whenever this horse won or something good happened, I would buy a watch because I could always associate that win with that watch. I'm in a party in San Diego over the weekend and there's a Chicago guy that I meet at this party who's a jewelry guy and he immediately sees my piece and he says, oh man, you know what that piece is worth right now? I said, no, but I'd love to hear. And he tells me, and Mitch, it's, it's half the amount 
And what he said was, you're going to be pumped when you hear this. I go, tell me. It's half the amount what I paid. I'm like, dude, why am I happy to hear that? Why is that good news? That's fucking terrible news, man. He's like, no, why? And we get to have this conversation. He thought my piece was stainless when it was white gold. He's like, mm-hmm. well, let me, let me, can I hold it? Can I look at it? And we're having this weird watch thing. But as a watch guy, I would imagine that you could appreciate that. Like, like Rolex yeah, I is. See, I don't like those interactions. I like, hey, man, that's a really cool watch. Like, I, I love it. It looks great on you. And then you just let the guy take it from there. I'm sure if he showed interest, he said, that's a really cool piece. You know, I'm in the industry. You know, you would have said, oh, thanks. And you got to talking and maybe a couple minutes in, you tell him the story behind it. You know, you've got this horse and, <laughs> you know, it's sentimental. But when you come at a guy and say, hey, bro, you know, that watch is sick. How, you know how much it's worth? You know, that definitely uh, is a little bit of a, a douchey way to, I, to go well, about dude, it. Well, dude, I think in a way you're right. Like, like the, the moment was not a good moment because I thought that I lost half the value. I'm like, well, wait a minute. This particular, <laughs> first of all, these watches, well, none of us are going to retire on these watches, but we're always led to believe they always hold their value. Like, I don't even want to say what it is because it's just the obvious watch that we all know. But yeah, it was just weird. I, I think he meant it from a good place. Like, he was trying to be respectful. Like, oh, dude, I got good news for you. I don't know <laughs> what you paid for that, but that is appreciating. I'm like, really? Because it's 50% worth what I thought it was. Thanks for nothing. All right, so last thought, do you mention like because you're kind of brutish and you got big hands, you can't really get into things like, you know, the, the complexities of timepieces, yet you're an unbelievable chef. I need to I need to know this. Like Mitch in the Kitch is still going strong. You're a great chef. When did you first learn to cook? When, how, who? Give me the basics of that real quick. So my interest was probably, you know, when I was younger, 10, 12, teenage years. Wow. I, uh, you know, started watching a lot of Food Network, a lot of Emerald, Wolfgang Puck, you know, Alton Brown with Good Eats. And it just really, you know, uh, gravitated towards it. I, I liked watching it. I liked, you know, trying to implement the stuff that, you know, my parents would let me cook. You know, I started cooking pizzas at home when I was, you know, 14, 15, 16 and trying to learn the best way to do it. Looking back now, those were disgusting, but uh, <laughs> luckily no one told me the truth because it probably would have crushed me back then. But I've, I've got a better way to do it now. Um but yeah, it's just always been part of me. And then, you know, you go to college, you're on your own, you know, you got to figure out what to do in the summer and, you know, other times where the, the team's not feeding you or you don't have, you know, enough meal points on your thing to go swipe for some, you know, tater tots. And uh, so I kind of had that base of, you know, a little bit of knowledge on what to cook, what I like to eat, you know, showing up to training camp at the right weight. That was uh, a big thing for me in the off season. And uh, it's just grown from there and, you know, something I enjoy. And it is a way to be creative. It is a way to, you know, kind of put a spin on things and you don't necessarily have to follow a recipe every time. And I just, you know, have fun with it. It, it occupies a lot of, you know, my time and kind of my thought process. I'm always thinking a couple of days ahead for what I'm going to eat. God, dude, how good are tots, tater tots? Like, I thought they were the best when we were in college and we would just get frozen ones. But then we sent our son to the University of Wisconsin. That's where he goes now. And we we built a house in northern Wisconsin. I've had tater tots in the Midwest. Like, they don't have that shit in California, at least not like <laughs> that, man. Like, where are the best tots? Ooh, that's a good one. You know, the best tots are cooked well. It's not necessarily, right. like, what where, what location, like, from your perspective, I don't know what they're doing in Wisconsin, but I've really only had like the pre-frozen ones that they just cook and, and they heat up, but it's got to be extra crispy. It's got to be crunchy. It's got to have that soft interior. It's got to be well salted. And that's, you know, the perfect tater tot. Yeah, dude, they're all that, but they're tricking them up, man. They're like doing shit. Like it's like the, got the like, cheese curds in them yeah, or something. Dude, everything, 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 everything. Like I can't even explain it. It's like Parisian tots or something. And I feel like I'm in a, like in, in New Orleans at uh commander's palace for tots. I don't know. Something like that so like one last thought this is such an awesome conversation like so like i'm 
my wife, Janet, is the best person I've ever met. Like, and I know she's not listening, so I'm good. And I don't think somebody will run it back to her. And I would say it to her because I have said it to her. She's the best person I've ever met and really can't cook a lick, but neither can I except on a grill. But then, like, my mother is, like, this amazing cook, and I don't ever remember her really learning or trying. She just seemed like she was. Is it a knack? Is it a talent? Is it innate? Or can we all look or learn to be great as a cook or a chef? There's a little bit of that innate ability. You know, I think you have to be drawn towards it. Like if you pick it up and someone forces you to learn, you know, you're never really going to have that passion for it and you're never going to have it, you know, kind of consume you. And then you get inspiration from other things and you try things. Um, so people obviously can learn to cook, you know, same way my wife, best person I've ever met. And she doesn't love cooking. She's not into it. Luckily I do all the cooking, um, but she's gotten some recipes down. She can make some good stuff, you know, planning on some stuffed pepper soup in the next week or two is, you know, fall hits. And out here we actually have, um, you know, seasons, which is a, a wild concept for you Southern California guys. So, you know, the, the nice hearty soup tends to hit the soul right in the fall. Um, so yeah, people can learn. Uh, but I think if you don't have, you know, the, the passion, the inspiration for it, it's definitely difficult to, you know, catch on and to, uh, be as good as you know your mom or your grandma was where they're not going recipes it's just right. all memory they're just firing stuff in there you know a lot of butter a lot of uh you know salt and sugar from them but uh you know that's where the heart is all right so since you mentioned the change of seasons the actual i swear my last question because you're a california guy look you're bigger you're stronger you're tougher mentally you're tougher physically i don't know man like i went to the afc championship game there and I've told this story, but I was on CBS, the pregame show. And I was, you know, my airtime was only a couple of minutes, but they left me out there for maybe, I don't know, an hour. Dude, like I, when I tried to talk, I had locked jaw. Like I've never been so cold in my life. And when I got back to California, I don't think I was right for nine months. Like how, how do you do that? Like how, how do you guys play through that? How do you live through that? And I've been in cold weather. Like we had a house in Montana. We have a house in Wisconsin. But I'm talking about working and living in those elements. Well, I've got some extra insulation that you don't have. So okay. I've, uh, you know, I, I have a little bit of a genetic advantage there. Um, but this sounds wild, but I actually keep my house at like a much colder temperature during the winter. So like in the 62 to 65 range, because I want to get almost like used to that low 60s range. I always felt like, you know, if it's a 40 degree day and you're used to 62, a guy who keeps his house at 72, it's going to feel a lot colder to him than it will to me. I have no idea if that actually worked, uh, you know, but that I like the way it sounds, way though, to, you know, kind of train yourself kind of like the hyperbaric guys that sleep in the oxygen chamber. You know, you don't necessarily think about it. It just happens and you hope it works. Um, you know, I, I like to do that. I also saved a, a little bit of money on the heating bill, you know, always <laughs> always helps out from that perspective. But you just you do it. You know, I think there was, you know, a time when people were very anti, you know, wearing sleeves, wearing things of that nature. You got to show your toughness. You know, guys go out with no shirt on and I guarantee they're freezing and they, they wish they had their sweater on when they went out to warm up. Um, but you get on the field and from the player perspective, it's actually the easiest to stay warm because you're either on the field moving around, you're active or you're on the bench and it's on a seated bench. They throw those big coats over you. You're able to stay warm. You know, it sucks for the fans for like you, the guys working the game have to be there in the outdoors you know, the referees, the people holding the sticks, the equipment guys, it's definitely the best for the athlete. It's the worst for everyone else who has to be there. So, um, you know, it gets cold. The worst part is standing on the field during a timeout where you don't have any of those things. You're not moving. You don't have the heated bench. You know, in Cleveland, we got that 25, 30 mile an hour lake wind coming off right, right through that little section of the, the stadium that opens up. Uh, those were my coldest moments for sure. 
There's no doubt the fans, like, to your point, like, when I was in Kansas City, they didn't seem unhappy. In fact, I mean, I know there's <laughs> liquor coursing through their yeah, veins. I was say, but they might not be able to feel their body at that point. Yeah, they. I'm like, why are you not miserable? Why? I know why you're not miserable, but, man, they seemed really happy. And I'll never forget that day, man. They lined up. Like, if that kick was at one or whatever it was, that, that line of cars snaking down that hill started. Like, we had to be at our production meeting at 8 a.m. They were there before us, man. They start early early you know what i'm talking about right that line the cars that come down that hill yeah they're awesome it's the tailgating man it gets back to food it gets back to hanging out with their friends uh obviously like you said you know having some some good drinks with that as well but the kansas city people they're awesome that was the you know the best part of rolling up to game day is you kind of crack the window a little bit you get to smell the barbecue you get to smell the good food uh that always got me in the mood and and just seeing that there's you know seventy thousand people already there ready to go uh the chiefs fans are the best you know, I don't know how they do it in the cold. They're they're braver than I am for that. Like I said, I have the advantage. They don't. They're doing it for six hours in a row. Uh, so kudos to them. And obviously, you know, they gave us a, a really good home field advantage. Hey, Mitch, I want you to know, I really appreciate what you said about how back in the day that you would sit in the car and listen to my radio program. I want you to know as somebody who's done this a long, long time and talked to thousands of athletes, you are a great dude to talk to. That is that is the best interviews are not interviews. They are conversations. And, you know, I, I came and I did some work and I did my research and I didn't want to waste your time. But you're such a good guy to talk to because I can just follow you around. You just say interesting shit and then I can just ask a follow-up question. So I guess what I'm saying to you is I don't want to say that I wasted my time doing my prep, but I didn't need to because you are an easy guy to talk to and a great interview and conversation. So thank you very much. Thank you for making so much time. That was an absolute blast. Well, I absolutely appreciate it. Uh, You know, I love coming on and obviously respect all the work you do and you know, for the next time, now you know. You don't have to do any prep. Just roll in. We'll get the chatting. I love that, man, because I, I'm one of those guys who's not that bright, who's kind of hung my hat on coming to work really early and grinding it out. You're the one guy that I won't have to do that for, so that's cool. So either way, you hopefully everything goes really well and it goes your way, and we're talking football next time. But but if for some reason that doesn't happen, I'm still going to find you so we can talk about whatever the fuck we want to talk about, if that's good for you. I love it. Let's do it. My guy, Mitchell Schwartz, that was absolutely awesome. Like, I knew it would be good. It was even better than I expected. And if you enjoyed that as much as I did, do make sure you're subscribed. This way, you don't need to go looking for the podcast every single week. It will find you instead. Hope you enjoyed that as much as I did, man. That was so much fun. In the meantime, as we get ready for next week, I leave you with a going away gift, your voicemails. Check them out. First new message. Boom! Jacques in North Carolina. First time, long time, brother. Happy birthday. Today is October 14th. I was listening, just jamming out to Rit and his segment you gave him. Man, love the show. Been listening to you forever since 98. Caught you uh, while I was living down in Ensenada, Mexico for six months on some AM station out of San Diego. Been listening ever since. Love what you do, brother. Love the content. Keep it up. It's Rit! Message saved. Next message. This is Jim in Vancouver, Washington. I'm happy that once again, Seattle, Washington has an NHL hockey team again. I am sad because one of my favorite barroom trivia questions will now be obsolete. What was the first team to win Lord Stanley's Cup? The Seattle Metropolitans. 
who ever heard of an NHL hockey team in Seattle? But I hope one of my children and I decide to jump on the train and go to Seattle and catch a hockey game this year. But that will probably happen right after I get a Superman cape that actually works. Message saved. Next message. Jimothy, what's up? It's Dr. Dave. Just wanted to wish you and Rit a happy birthday. And what a fucking great segment for Rit. What smooth timber in his voice. The one thing, though, I got to wish for Rit, please don't show any pictures of his sneaks anymore. Really, what are those? Anytime that you've ever shown this in your Instagram, Jim, those are fucking pathetic. You can't win a self-game of horse with shit shoes like that. Get a pair of nice high tops, you fucker. Later. Message deleted. Next message. What up, Jimmy? This is Pat from Sacktown, big-time Raider fan. thing I, I wonder about is, it's like Mark Davis said, they went after the Washington football team, and then it all comes back to the Raiders, and nothing's happened with the Washington football team. What's up with that? That's my, that's my snack. Message saved. Next message. Romy, Justin, and Melbourne. I don't think you have any competition from Ritt when it comes to hosting the CBS Sports Show. But I will say when it comes to Ritt's future, you and him are in a dead heat right now when it comes to hosting those game shows. Let's talk about Ritt. I mean, he doesn't have the looks of a Chuck Woolery. He doesn't have the grit or the right hand of a Bob Barker. He doesn't have the charm with the ladies like a Richard Dawson. But the guy's got some charisma and some attitude like a Wink Martindale. So, Romy, you might be watching him very soon on the Joker's Wild. Message deleted. You have no more messages. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.